we're gonna jump right into our shouts. Ready? What do we say? We love God and we love others. And what do we, ooh, what do we do it backwards? Man, poor me. All right, I messed it up. You guys are right. At least you chanted it right. I just don't know how to say it right. All right, what do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. Man, you'd think after three years I'd get it. But uh, (laughs) I was thinking of of changing the pacing so it wasn't like right away. So I rushed it and, and I blew it, you know. Kind of like the, uh, oh wait, never mind, some of you like that team that blew it last night, but, ouch, uh, sorry. But Pastor Peter is almost getting his doctorate, he's so close, he's like just finished, almost read his book, he's getting it edited, so that's, that uh, assuages the grief a little bit, I think, so for him. But if he, he needs a hug after service, if you could give that, he is a diehard Dodger fan, so if you could just uh, maybe just give him a little love, he just needs extra cuddle today. So hello to your family. Um, what a joy and a privilege always it is to be with you. I have been uh, praying for you specifically all week that uh, in our time together, you'd be able to encounter God. And, and that, that it may have come in the communion time. It may have come in uh, those fantastic highlights or whatever it is, or even through the message. But my prayer is that uh, when we're talking to people, when we're here at service, that we can meet with God and that we are open to Him meeting with us. Some of us maybe for our first time, and others of us, I, I think, for the thousandth and five hundredth time, you know. But it's important that we continue to connect to God. So I'm really glad that you're here. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, the importance of uh, the Lamb in the Bible as a symbol and as a sacrifice. And last week, we were talking about Jesus as the perfect, permanent Passover Lamb for us, taking our sins by His sacrifice. And today, we're going to continue to look at Lamb or Sheep. Uh, in the Bible, but this time we're going to look at how the Bible calls us human beings, sheep or lambs. And so uh, we're going to start out an Old Testament passage in Ezekiel. We don't get to do Ezekiel a lot, so he gets a shout out today. Ezekiel is a prophet that was in 550 BC. Um, And so uh, he speaks of humanity as sheep and as God, as the shepherd. Let's see it right here in Ezekiel 34. He says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. So Ezekiel said, God told me to tell you something. Here's what he says. God says, I myself will search for my sheep and I'll look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on on a day of clouds and darkness. And I myself will tend my sheep and I will have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. So God compares himself to a shepherd. He says, I'm going to look after, I'm going to provide for, I am going to rescue the sheep. And then I love that last sentence that it says, I will search for the lost and I will bring back the strays. So God gathers up those that are truly lost, those who have never heard about him, and he gathers the lost to him. But he also gathers those who have strayed away. Those who may have known him, but now are far from him. Those who have gotten lost in all the things of the world or or the distractions of life. And God cares about each of them. God cares about each of us. So how many times do some of us find ourselves, not in the category of the lost, because we already have met the Lord, but maybe as the ones who have strayed away. How many of us have found ourselves in that category? So this week, I'm working on my sermon, right? 
And uh, I, I work uh, normally in my upstairs office, also known as my bedroom. Uh, so my office, uh, I was in there and um, I used my last Kleenex that was on the desk and I uh, needed to blow my nose. And so I had to go downstairs, I was upstairs to go down to the garage uh, to get more Kleenex. Um, but as I was going down, I have to pass the kitchen. And I looked over and I saw a couple of cups that were on the counter and needed to be put in the dishwasher. And I don't like cups just sitting on the counter. So I went over and I, I grabbed the cups and I was about to put them in the dishwasher. But the dishwasher was full of clean dishes. And so, so I took out the dishes and I put them back, you know, where they all belong. And then I put those dirty cups in there. And as I'm putting the dirty cups into the dishwasher, I recognized there were some little ants. We have some ants, these tiny, tiny ones that enter our house sometimes. And I was like, oh man, they were right on the windowsill by the, by the sink, uh, kitchen sink. And I was like, man, uh, we can't have ants in here. I better go grab the poison. So I go and grab the ant poison. And, uh, but my ant poison bottle is empty. And so I was like, well, I have a little bit of time. Uh, I'll, I'll head out in Home Depot because I can't have ants in the house. And so get in car, go to Home Depot, uh, get some poison. Uh, and I'm standing in the self-serve line because there's always a lot line for the self-serve for some reason. I'm standing in the self-serve line and I'm like, what am I doing in Home Depot? I'm supposed to be writing a sermon. What? Why am I here in Home Depot with poison in my hands? And uh, so... Um, so anyway, I'm still at Home Depot, so I buy this stuff, get, go back, get the poison, uh, put it in my container, kill the ants, go upstairs, sit back at my desk, and the, the, the cursor is blinking at the exact same word that I left at two hours ago, and I don't have any Kleenex. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, like, what the heck is going on? Our real life relationship with God is sometimes a little bit like that. Sometimes we can stray away even if we weren't meaning to. And it's usually not even on purpose, right? If maybe it's just the baseball for the kids or a little bit extra overtime at work or that business trip or emergency plumbing issues or there's business and there's life and there's uh, relationship stuff and then we have friends coming over and this and this and this. And before we know it, we've strayed pretty far from God. Now, you probably still went to church, but, but you weren't actually at church. Your body came, but you didn't. Right? And so, so we kind of went through the motions, but we've strayed a little bit from God. The busyness of life, the things have gotten in the way of us being near to Him. And I, I love this passage because God says, Look, look, my sheep, I, I am waiting to bring you back. Whether you're lost or, or maybe you've just gone astray. Maybe you just got so distracted and so like got carried away. Now you're over here and, and you're like, man, I'm not where I want to be with the Lord. And God said, that's all right. I gather up the strays too. Come on back. Come on back, sheep. I'm waiting for you. People are referred to as lost sheep, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. Jesus himself, when he's talking, he, he refers to the crowds this way. In Matthew 9, he says, when he saw Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus, as God, is literally amongst the people and he has compassion on them because they are lost and they're helpless. Now notice Jesus' reaction carefully. I want you to hold on to his reaction. How does Jesus react when someone is lost or at stray? Or, or, and these are, these are people that are sinners, bad, gone, not near to God, hate God, agnostic, atheist, whatever the list is of bad places someone could be. That's the people that he's talking about. And what is Jesus' reaction to those persons? His reaction is Jesus has compassion on them. 
but do we always feel that way? Sometimes we think like uh, Jesus is going to say like, you know, maybe he's going to reject them like those worthless, stupid sheep. Or maybe he's going to, he's going to criticize them like, oh, they're so dumb. Why do they always keep messing up or rebuke them? What a worthless sheep you are. And I know that sometimes we feel that way, that God's reaction to our being stray or God's reaction to someone being lost or God's reaction to, to my messing up and I'm just simply further and further away from him. And I think God's reaction to me is like, disappointment and probably like disdain a little bit and and maybe he doesn't like me as much or or maybe he's just like frustrated with me but but that's not how God interacts with the lost or the stray what is Jesus's response to them how does he how does he feel towards them he has compassion he cares that they're lost he cares that they're stray he's not mad he's not angry he's not going to punish or rebuke but he's going to restore, he's going to heal, he's going to bring back. When we're lost and messing up and far from him, making wrong decisions or in the wrong place, God's not mad or vengeful. Rather, he's compassionate. Jesus' response to sheep without a shepherd is compassion. He genuinely cares about the sheep. Look, look what he says here uh, in Luke chapter 15. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners, they're all gathering around to hear Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're like kind of muttering to themselves. And they say, like, this guy, he welcomes sinners. He eats with them like he's trying to connect to them. And Jesus tells them this parable. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 who are in open country and, and pretty safe? And they go after the sheep that, that's lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, like he joyfully puts on his shoulders and he goes home. And, and then he says to his friends and his neighbors, he says, come on. Get together, let's rejoice, because I, I found my last sheep. I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Each sheep matters. Each sheep is worth going after in Jesus' mind. Each sheep is worth pursuing and, and finding. They're always welcome. And when they turn to God, and, when, and they're found by God, and, they, and they're welcome back into the, into the, the flock, there's joy and rejoicing whenever one returns. Now, Jesus not only mentioned that God is invested in, or interested in saving the lost in like a metaphorical sense. So he's not, he's giving the analogy of sheep, but he's actually physically doing something to line up with that analogy. See, God does, just doesn't say, I care about sheep, but I actually care about people. And I'm going to come and I'm going to save people in reality. That's why he sends Jesus. So lost sheep are found and brought back to God through Jesus. We saw the prophecy of the Messiah to come in Isaiah a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Isaiah 53, 6, uh, 6 says, uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, this future Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Uh, the apostle Peter echoes this and actually quotes this when the Apostle Peter is writing about Jesus in 1 Peter 2, he says, He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've turned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. So, so here we have the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. We talked about it before. He is the perfect Lamb of God, saved or saving other lambs. So Jesus the lamb saves other lambs. So, so we're 
sheep or we're lambs and we're saved by the lamb. Jesus, the lamb of God, saves other sheep and then becomes the shepherd. And I was going to draw a picture of it, but when I was thinking about it, it looked really weird, like a shepherd guy with like a sheep head. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of spooky, so I'm not going to do that one. But that's sort of what I have in mind. He, he's like this lamb, and all of a sudden he's like, shh, shh, no, I'm the shepherd, but it's like a sheep voice, you know, talking. Um, and so that's like kind of thinking about that. He's both, Jesus is both lamb, the, the Passover lamb, perfect lamb, sacrificed to God, and he's shepherd at the same time. That's really kind of cool. And, but, and it has to be this way. Jesus has to be a, a lamb that dies for lambs. We're called sheep, and he was called, he was called a sheep, right? The sheep that died for us. But that's how, how God's economy was set up. In Hebrews, it tells us that, that Jesus had to come as a human being to save human beings. Let's see it here in Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's us, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who uh, all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered and was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And so Jesus came in human form to save humans. He does not take angelic form to save angels. Now, uh, so he didn't. They don't have recourse. There's not a second chance for angels who rejected him. Or other creatures. We see other creatures in the Bible. He, didn't, he wasn't made like a creature to save creatures. Or aliens, if you believe in aliens, to save aliens. Something like that. He took on the humiliation and the downgrade of humanity so that humans would no longer be lost. He became a sheep to save the sheep. He became a human to save the humans. And so as creatures made in his likeness, human beings, we have preeminent standing over all of the other creations in existence. No other being or creation did God become like to save that thing. But he's more than just a sacrifice. He's both Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and he's the good shepherd, the God of the lambs. Jesus says it this way, as recorded in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. A hired head, he doesn't, he's not the shepherd and he doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he's like, out. He dips, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock and, and it scatters it. But the, the man ran away because he's a hired hand and he doesn't care about the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Talking to Jews and Gentiles. They too will listen to my voice and they're, they're, they shall be one flock and, and have one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I'm willing to lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the ultimate protector, the encourager, the feeder, the overseer, the great lover of each of us. Jesus says, that's who I am. That's who I came to be. Human to save humans, but human to lead humans, to care for and to, and to 
be tempted in every way so that when you're tempted, Jesus understands. We don't have a God that's far off. We have a God that is close, that entered into the dirt and the mud and the mire and the stress and the worry and the family complications and the money issues. And, and we have a God who entered into that on purpose so that he could relate, love, care, draw, and shepherd each one of us. The great lover of us, laying his life down for us, no limit is too great for him. And he traveled, the, he condescended to become a human. Humans are just like really recycled dirt, right? He just became dirt because he wanted to save the other dirt balls. That's you and me. You thought being called a sheep was bad, right? As shepherd, his love drives, drives him to care deeply for us, to be fully invested. Now watch his next move. Jesus... Uh, uh, after he dies and resurrects, watch what he does. Jesus, the lamb turned shepherd, he asks his apostle Peter to do the same. Check it out in John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed my lambs then. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And, and he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's kind of hurt because Jesus asked like this third time, right? He says, because he asked him, do you love me a third time? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know, like read minds and hearts. And you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. So now Jesus tells Peter to become a sheep turned shepherd in similar fashion to himself. Now, Pastor Jimmy used to always say, like when talking about himself as a pastor, he said, like, I'm an I'm a under-shepherd to the good shepherd, right? Jesus is the number one shepherd, and I'm like like apprentice shepherd under him. And that's what Peter calls, uh, what Jesus calls Peter to, to become a sheep-turned-shepherd in similar fashion, to take care of, to, to feed, to love, to sacrifice for the sheep, the people of this planet. So Peter is now tasked to care deeply and to be fully invested as well, just like Jesus was. But then Peter says the same thing. So Jesus tells Peter. Now Peter tells the same thing to some elders who are in this, uh, elders are like uh, pastors uh, at this church in Ephesus. He says, keep watch in, in Acts 20. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you guys overseers. Overseer is another word for pastor. Be shepherds of the church of God, uh, which he bought with his own blood. So not just Peter, uh, but he tasks the early church fathers here in Ephesus as found sheep to become shepherds as well. Just like Jesus, again, imitating Jesus. Again, elders now cast to, uh, uh, task to care deeply for and then be invested in the sheep. So man, I'm thinking about this. And then the Apostle Peter, he then asked other pastors, not just these early church fathers, he says, okay, all the other pastors too to do the same thing. In 1 Peter 5, he says, to the elders that are among you, the other churches, he says, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, uh, who will also share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, or, but, but rather eager to serve, not lording over them, but entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So this speaks to pastors who are called to imitate Jesus in this very specific way. And so though I am a sheep, 
I'm also called to be a shepherd, just like Jesus, the Lamb of God, is called our good shepherd. Now, it's my personal responsibility um, as your pastor, as your shepherd, to care for your soul, to, to guide you and to guard you and to protect your spiritual lives, to be there when you're sick or when you're hurting, uh, to be there when you are getting married or when you're having kids, and and ultimately to be there when you're on your deathbed, or whichever you or I come first, you know, one of the two of us. You, you could be here for me or I'll be there for you, right? Whether you're in, in triumph or whether you're in trouble, God's asked me as your pastor to be alongside you in all of it. And I get the privilege of doing that, becoming a, a, alongside you in, in all situations. But as a shepherd, it's also my duty to not only care for you, but to seek and save the lost to grab hold of those who have strayed away. So I must be involved in, in world missions. I've got to be involved in, in local outreaches and evangelism, reaching lost sheep as, as well as protecting the found sheep and inviting the lost sheep into God's kingdom and inviting them to this church, seeking out strays and, and welcoming all sorts of folks in. It's my obligation as a pastor to do so. But wait you're not off the hook. And this is, like I said, oh man for pastors. It is oh man again. The Apostle Peter asks all people to do the exact same thing. In fact, he asks every one of you to become shepherds as well. And, and this is a couple of chapters before 1 Peter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, and we've used this and we talked about this before, you also, like living stones, you all people, are being built into a spiritual house to be actually a, a, a holy priesthood. <laughs> There's no difference from you and the pastor. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, again, a few verses later, he says. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. And so I definitely have a job to do as a shepherd that God calls me specifically to do, to watch over your souls. But you too have a job to do. You actually get to be a sheep-turned-shepherd as well to watch over the souls of those people that are under your influence. You are a shepherd also to care for, to pray over, to guide, to lead those that are around you. So you too also have to be involved in investing in other Christians, sheep that are around you, but also invest in finding and seeking the lost and engaged in world evangelism and local evangelism and engaged in sharing Jesus seeking and saving the lost, just like he did. To care not about your own safety or comfort, but to care about the well-being of the other sheep. Remember, that's what distinguishes a, a good shepherd from a hired hand. Jesus is the good shepherd, calls Peter to be one, calls the elders to be one, calls you, each one of you to be one, to be like Jesus, not like some hired hand who doesn't care about the sheep, but one who is willing to undergo discomfort, like Jesus had some discomfort by coming to the earth. Jesus had some sacrifice to come to the earth. Jesus gave up something to come to the earth. And he asked you as shepherds to do the same, to be willing to say, it's not just about my comfort. It's not just about what I want. It's got to be what's good for those people that are around me as well, who are part of my flock. And so then you say, what flock? Pastor Sam, what? I don't have any flock. I don't have anything. I'm just a regular sort of person. But I'll tell you, your family is your first flock. You got a family? Anyone got family? You got, is there someone with that? No family? 
then, then you're off the hook on the first point. If you've got no family, you're literally an orphan all alone on this planet, then, then you don't have to work, look out for your family. But that doesn't make you off the hook for being a shepherd in general. But the first, the first flock you look after is your family. You say, well, I'm the youngest in my family. Oh, I'm Jacob, you know. I don't, what are they going to listen to me? You know. You have a responsibility. It doesn't matter if you're the youngest in your family. God says you are a sheep-turned-shepherd as well. And it doesn't make you the biggest shepherd. Dad's the big shepherd, right? But, but Jesus is the big, big shepherd, so anytime Dad tries to flex, be like, hey, look at Jesus, Dad. I'm just trying to do what he's trying to you know, ask me to do. You have a responsibility to your family to care for their, their needs, even above your own comfort, to look out for them, not just yourself. And that's hard, right? Maybe... You, and it's hard to listen to mom and dad when they're bugging, right? I swear. I know. I, I bug my kids like crazy. I know I bug. I know I'm annoying. I know I'm controlling. And I thank God he gave me kids who are super obedient and kind. And, and they were so loving to be able to do that for me, even when I was bugging, that they sacrificed their own. Okay, fine. I'll listen to dad. And sometimes it's a big sacrifice, and that's part of loving the flock that he gives you. So it might be f- family. And, and I don't know if you go to school, if you're in school, like those people around you, they're definitely like sheep, right? One changes clothes, they all change the same clothes, bah, right? One, <laughs> one changes haircut. It was tight, now it's baggy. Like, I don't know, you know, it's like baggy tight, baggy tight, baggy tight. I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, like Jason Lee, you know, he always said like he never gave up his baggy pants, and so he's back in. So he really is like, cool, again, and it only took 25 or 30 years for that to happen, and he was judged all years of those in between, but... Um, and so those people that are around you at your school, those are some sheep, man. You need to, you need to shepherd those. You, well, I'm just a sheep. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Sheep turned shepherd. And, and maybe you have people that are at work. That, that's your sheep. Or you maybe have colleagues. Or, or I mean, to look to your left and right. There's a couple of sheep around here, right? I spy a little sheep with my eye. Maybe you know some Democrats. Man, those Democrats, they're just dumb sheep, right? They always follow... Maybe you know a Republican. Oh, Republicans, those guys are just sheep. They just say whatever Bill O'Reilly says or whatever, right? Fantastic. What are you supposed to do with sheep? You're supposed to love them and care for them, right? If you're a Republican and you're a Republican sheep, then you see the Democrat sheep. Love those Democrat sheep. If you're a Democrat sheep and you see those dumb Republican sheep, love those, those Republican sheep. That's what God calls you to do. And we love to call the other side, whichever political side you're on, look at those sheep. Ah, fantastic. That makes you the shepherd. So go care for them, love them, sacrifice for them, be there for them, look out for their best interest, even if it costs you something, even if you don't look that smart, even if you're not the coolest, even though whatever it is, it's going to cost you something. It cost Jesus something, like a lot of something. He left heaven, dirtball, perfection here, because he loved and cared for you. He's willing to go that distance, not for his own benefit or his own comfort. And then he says, tasks, First Peter, then elders, then pastor, then you all, to do the exact same thing, to become sheep turned shepherd. And every one of you has a sphere of influence and a, and a, and a flock that I'm not pastoring, I'm not shepherding. There are people that, that are in your life who probably will never come here and certainly never have up to this point. Well, I can't be their shepherd. They're not, my, they're not my problem. I never met them. They're your problem. <laughs> they're your sheep. Oh, they're so stupid, right? But remember how Jesus treats stupid sheep? With compassion. Yeah, maybe they're stupid. Oh, maybe they're dirty. Sheep are dirty in general. I saw a sheep once at that, 
Adventureland or whatever that's on Beach Boulevard. That's the only time. I, I never went to a farm or anything, but that's the only time I saw a sheep. They're dirty. They're gross. So are the people in our lives. So am I. What's Jesus do with that? Does he reject it? He goes, get out of here, stupid idiot sheep. I'm a stupid sheep. I'm a dirty sheep. I'm not, I'm not even a good sheep. You know, I'm like a bad, lost, distracted sheep. Right? I couldn't even get Kleenex from my garage. <laughs> I have them now. It's, I got the Kleenex. But, but Jesus doesn't reject or say, like, oh, you're no good, you're trash, or whatever. He says, I have compassion. I love you. Me? No. Say, yep, I love you. <laughs> and then he says the same thing for us to do. God, you got some ugly people around you. You got some messed up sheep around you. Yep. How are you supposed to feel towards them? Compassion, care, love, sacrifice. Oh, but uh, I'd rather watch Netflix. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> but go evangelize a little. Pick up their call. Don't just ignore it if they're trying to call and for the 50th time complain about their husband or their problem or whatever it is. Take the time to be compassionate, to become sheep-turned-shepherd, just like the Father. So Jesus is both the Lamb and the Good Shepherd. So that's, that's here. And then I'm both a Lamb and a, and a Shepherd. And you are both Lamb and Shepherd as well. And so I want you to take a moment for yourself right now and I want you just to think. I'm going to ask you a couple things like, are you a lost sheep? Like maybe you don't know the Lord. Or maybe like you're a strayed sheep. Have you, are you pretty far from God? You're like, I don't even feel near to God at all. If so, Jesus is calling you. He has compassion for you. And his love is waiting for you. A place of safety and peace. But maybe you're a found sheep. Maybe you're comfortably in the arms of Jesus. And you're secure in that position. You know he loves you. And you know you're a, a believer. And, and you've been following him pretty well. And you're near to him. And and you're just worshiping today and you're so glad that He's your Savior and Lord. And, and Jesus is calling you, too, to become a shepherd to those that are around you. To imitate Him, the Good Shepherd. So let's take a moment. We're just going to pray whichever place you're in. Just pray about that. If you're the lost, pray, God, find me. And if you're the found, pray, God, use me.